on today's episode, I'm going to be joined by a supply chain expert in China that has been sourcing products for both enterprise and small businesses for the last 15 years. Do stay tuned. Welcome to 2X e-commerce, the e-commerce marketing growth podcast where you ask questions and I, Kenei, answers them. Also hear from proven marketing growth experts who are number one or number two in specialist areas of online retail marketing. So if you work in or own an online retail business, listen in, get involved, join me and let's put some fuel to skyrocket your e-commerce growth. So on the inbound marketing strategies, how do you beat Amazon? Natural search and our search engine position is critical to the customer flow through the website. I personally would not have an account process interrupt checkout flow at all. My favorite customer lifetime value calculation is an easy one. It's your average order value times that purchase frequency times uh, your customer lifespan. I'm Kunay Campbell. Let's get rolling. If you're looking to grow your business, there's only one way by building real quality customer relationships. Most marketing software will claim they can do this, but will never deliver on their promises. You need to demand more from your marketing software. And that's where Clavio comes in. Clavio helps you build meaningful customer relationships by listening and understanding cues from your customers, allowing you to easily turn that information into valuable marketing messages. That is why 10,000 innovative brands have switched to Clavio. What's the secret to building customer relationships? Tune in to Clavio's Beyond Black Friday docuseries to find out and unlock marketing strategies you can use to keep momentum going year round. Just head over to Clavio.com forward slash beyond BF for more. That's Clavio.com forward slash beyond BF.com. Attention online retailers in Europe, a new payment standard known as SCA or Strong Customer Authentication will come into force in September 2019. Mastercard research shows that up to 75% of e-commerce merchants in Europe are potentially unaware of this coming into effect. SCA is a new regulatory requirement that is designed to help retailers and issuers make digital payments more secure. The challenge is to create or keep a frictionless checkout experience for online shoppers. SCA would allow for biometric technology and dynamic passwords to create a more secure and improved online shopping experience. Mastercard's identity check is fully compliant with SCA requirements and facilitates shopping experiences we can all trust, allowing us to securely pay online using features such as our fingerprints. To find out more on Identity Check, visit the MasterCard website. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show. This is a podcast dedicated to rapid growth in online retail. So if you're looking to grow metrics such as, you know, conversions, average order value, and ultimately sales, um, you're in the right show. On today's episode, um, but before I actually get into today's episode, I just wanted to 
make a super interesting announcement. Um, it's um, around Clavio Boston, um, which is just around the corner. Um, I believe Clavio Boston, according to my notes here, will run on the 25th and 26th of September. And um, today's the 4th of September, or 5th, depending on when you're listening to this. And um, basically, it's in, it's in three weeks' time. Um, so feel free to, um, to, 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 to check it out. Um, there'll be more than 600 marketing professionals and um, e-commerce founders at Clavio, um, you know, um, on the 25th and 26th of September. They're going to be 50 actionable sessions. Um, you, ju- you don't want to miss the keynotes. Um, they're going to be online marketing insights. Um, and I'm going to be attending, which is going to be great. I'm going to be, um, you know, podcasting from there. There are going to be a few podcast sessions I'm going to have with um, with keynote um, speakers there. Um, so I'll be heading out to, to Boston on the 25th and 26th. You don't want to miss it. On today's episode, back to today's episode, um, I'm super, super excited. I have with me um, David Hoffman. He is an expert in um, you know product sourcing from China, essentially. Um, so when you're talking about like supply chain, um, somebody who has a deep understanding in supply chain from China and Asia in general, um, he he is he's the man. He is the um, pretty much a CEO and has been CEO um, for Global Regency for the last um, 15 years, which is a um, product source and company based out in China. He is based in Hong Kong, actually. Um, and um, he, yeah, um, he's worked with Target, Kmart, Walmart, and a ton of um, smaller um, you know, e-commerce entrepreneurs, whether they're selling via Amazon or in other marketplaces and also direct to consumer, you know, on an e-commerce as you know it. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome David to the show. Welcome, David. Hey, Kunle. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Fantastic. I probably haven't done you sufficient justice in, um, with the introduction. Could you just take a minute or less to, to introduce yourself further? Well, I thought it was a good introduction, but um, yeah, I mean, just, just briefly, I've been living out in China for 16 years and we started a business called globaltqm.com, which is really a done-for-you services business which stemmed out of us having, you know, servicing very large retail clients and wholesalers and importers, some of the brands you mentioned and some other brands you never mentioned like JBC and Iowa. Um, And because of all our knowledge and experience, what really started happening is, you know, me and my partner, we're entrepreneurs by heart anyway. So, you know, we got, we started up a lot of companies and a lot of businesses We've got friends and family who have, and, you know, they would always come to me and say, hey, David, I've got a problem with the factory or I need this or I need that. Can you help me? Um, And, you know, I just found just through helping friends and family that, um, you know, a couple of calls with our team on the ground, you know, we we solved a lot of problems for them. And it just really got me more involved in kind of this, this division of global TQM where we try to help, you know, first-time sellers, startups or entrepreneurs manage their supply supply chain in China, find the right suppliers, you know, develop the right products and really handle things on the ground because we have a big team here. And, and then, you know, you expanded. Okay, so yeah. I'm just going to jump right into the tech, to a technical question. Um, yeah. What's the number one mistake, um, you know, you're seeing entrepreneurs, so... Um, you know, established e-commerce businesses um, or, you know, startup e-commerce businesses make in China right now, today, or in Asia when doing, when sourcing for products? It's a really good question. 
I think it's a simple thing, which is really, it's the attention to detail and the patience that it takes to get products launched. Um, you know, I see so many, um, you know, Eastern and Western miscommunications happening all the time. And, you know, I find, you know, people get impatient and get frustrated and, you know, with the manufacturers and there's such a real cultural and communication difference between East and West that I just find, you know, you've got to be very detailed, very specific and, you know, go through that process of checking, rechecking, sampling and sampling again. And, you know, a lot of people want to shortcut that and they don't want to do the hard work and homework. And I, I just often find, you know, I explain to some of our big clients and our small clients, I go, you know, the difference between you and a large brand is that a large brand has got a team of people doing all this work all the time and you're just seeing the end result. You know, if you want to develop that, you have to go through that painstaking trial and error and detail. There's no shortcut to the homework, as I call it. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. And then there's also the frustration, you know, um, in terms of the time cycles to, to get in it from, from factory to, to your warehouse. Um, that just piles up, you know, the anxiety, I think. Absolutely. And, and I mean, and there's so much detail that goes into it. So by the time you finish finalizing all those details and finish going through all that sampling, you then want to get it manufactured, check that it's manufactured correctly and then get it delivered. The last thing you want to do is have it delivered and find the problems. You know, you want to catch that at source and even at source, you know, I mean, we, we do inspections on products and I always tell people you can't inspect quality into a product. It, it, inspection is a last minute thing. Like it's a safety net. Really it's the process before that, that has to be, you know, thorough and complete in order to make sure you eliminate problems. Yeah. By the time it's produced, it's too late. It's a rework and that's not what you want. What happens when everything goes tit top and um, you, 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 you realize, um, you know, um, there's just one bit of detail that's messed, screwed up the whole, um, you know, roll out to products, you know, um, or, you know, who, who takes responsibility? Um, how, how do you sort of um, fix the problem essentially as quickly as possible? Do you have any stories in, in better oh, still? I, I could tell you so many stories. <laughs> um, I came to China for one year and I was going to move on. And 16 years later, I'm still here because those <laughs> stories happen every day. Um, you, you, you know, it, it's such a good question. And, and, and this is where, you know, it comes back to the first question you asked is that, that attention to detail because, who takes responsibility is always the, the, the question. You know, everybody asks to say, well, the factory made the mistake. It's their responsibility. Nine times out of 10, when I look into the detail, I find it's not as cut and dry and things weren't as clear as they appear to be in somebody's mind, you know, whether it was being specific on a specification, you know, sometimes if you don't say it or you do say it, you know, you've you got to be very careful because not saying something doesn't mean somebody um, automatically is going to do it or you can assume that it's going to happen. It just doesn't work like that. And that's why I say those details are critical. Okay. Ultimately, and this is like you say, who takes responsibility? The harsh reality is everybody say, well, the factory manufacturers, they should be responsible. The, but the bottom line is you take responsibility. 
because you're the one that suffers the returns. You're the one that suffers the problems with the customer at the end of the day. You lose your reputation. So the, I feel that like the people that I've you know met and worked with that are really successful in the space are the ones that take all the responsibility because they say, well, if there's a problem, it's my fault. I should have checked this in more detail. I should have been more specific on this. I should have, you know, been a bit more thorough because ultimately, you know, you've got to own it. If you don't own it, you're always going to pay the price in the end. So rather own it from the beginning, you know, and, and, and you know, do as much management of it to make sure you get the right result. Um, and work with your partners. You can't dump the problems on your manufacturing partner and just say, oh, everything's your fault and ruin the relationship. You need them. You need your manufacturing partners. You can't kill them. You have to be very – it's hard to be open-minded when you're emotionally invested in a product. Yeah. And, and, and I get that. And I mean, it happens to me. I, I go through these emotional roller coasters where I want to pull my hair out. But I've always got to take a step back and say, you know what? I, I wasn't quite as specific as I thought I was. Or it was a mistake. I'm going to have to step up and, you know, cover the cost or compromise on the cost because there's a bigger picture at the end of the day. Yeah. So is this global TQM, would you classify it as a trading company or, um, or you a sourcing company? Am I just, um, you know, um, it's a great question. No, we're, we're not exactly either. And, and, and there's a very good reason for that because, um, we're a service provider. We're a done for you service provider. So we, really provide resource on the ground in China to help you source products, to help you find the right suppliers, to help you manage your orders and communicate, to help you do the inspection. While we're not a trading company, we won't buy and sell a product. Um, we, we will never, you know, we help you build your relationship directly with your supplier mm -hmm. because that's how we really believe it should be is, you know, supplier direct to the end buyer is the ultimate um, formula. So, you know, we find our role is to help people get there quicker and faster and facilitate that process and, you know, help them to not repeat some of those mistakes that they've made or that we've made even in the past and short circuit for that. You know, I often say to clients, which we've had, where I say, they say, oh, we're new to this. What do we do? And I go, look, it's a journey. There's no black and white. It's a journey. We'll go on it with you. Yeah. At the beginning, we handhold you a lot. I said, if there doesn't come a time where you don't need us so much anymore and you're not traveling to China doing this on your own, we probably haven't done a good enough job of teaching you as you go and, you know, you know, you learn as you go. Um, our relationship should, should eventually, relationship should become transactional where you're just using us to go check a factory because it's quicker and faster or, you know, consolidate your sample. And, and that, that's how I see it. It's a done-for-you service to accelerate your relationships with your suppliers and your supply chain. Okay. And um, what about in, like product design? Um, do, do, you, do, you, do you go into that area or um, are you still more factory validation and, you know, product, you know, um, checks, product quality checks, quality control? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so so, so we're, we're more, as you mentioned, on that side. Um, we do have a, a group of designers we work with. Um, that we, you know, depending on the client, we, we will look at certain projects and say, okay, we'll use our resource on this as a design project, um, and, and develop it. We're quite selective on those because as you can imagine, when you get in the R and D and the design, there's a lot of investment of time and money. And 
we got to believe in it because we know it's going to take a lot from us. But, but we do. We love those opportunities when they're the right ones. At the shared office, I I, um, I work out sometimes. Um, I um, there's, there's a there's a neighbor of mine who just specializes on um, in um, just product design with China. Um, yes, they do it quite well, and, and that's all they do. Yes, understand what you're saying. Okay, so let's um, let's talk about um, China in itself. Um, you know, a lot. China's matured. Um, I was reading, um, you know, Shoe Dog um, by Phil Knight. You know, the Nike. Yes. Um, Nike, yeah. And um, you know, back in in the seventies, it was the new frontier. So that was back in the seventies. We're talking forty odd years, forty fifty odd yeah. years ago. Yeah. And, it was like super excited of um, about you know what it you know had in you know stock for Nike actually accelerated you know Nike's scale. That's um, right. Obviously, it's it's forty fifty years on now, um, and um, what 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 is changing in China? Um, what are the countries should we factor in um, from a sourcing standpoint? Um, yeah. And what, what what do you see the landscape like? You know, how do you navigate China? Yeah, that's <laughs> it's a really good question, um, and there's so many dimensions to it. I mean, I've seen the change in China in so many different ways. Um, I mean, I think for, I mean, think purely from a manufacturing perspective. I mean, it, it's very clear a lot of manufacturing is moving out of China. You know, Vietnam, Cambodia. Um, I, I even know a really large um, clothing brand that's now manufacturing in Ethiopia um, at a much lower cost and. Um, you know, those guys were actually telling me the story of how much management they've got there to manage the quality and, and train the people. He's questioning whether it's more cost effective, but obviously on the long run it is. I don't think China's, you know, looking to be a low cost manufacturing country anymore. Um, you know, I think China's moving more into the AI side of the world. I mean, we're dealing with, we, we're dealing with factories now that are going into chip design, into software design. They really, they're actually mirroring a lot of the U.S. In, in, in all those aspects and starting to get their own proprietary technologies. And the big manufacturers in China are servicing the Chinese domestic market, which is a huge, huge market for them. So I think, you know, I don't think they – I don't believe China's trying to compete at their low-cost manufacturing anymore. I think they're progressing. Um, you know, I, I read a lot about China and their development in AI – which just fascinates me, Alibaba being one of the major players, not just as a platform, but even on government projects, what Alibaba do in terms of AI on government projects is it's mind blowing. Did, did you, did you see the, um, there's a, there's a trend in YouTube, um, you know, video, um, around the world, you know, artificial intelligence conference. I think that just held like a week ago. And yes. had on, on one hand, um, Elon Musk, and um, on the other hand, um, it was um, Jack Ma. And Elon Musk pretty much took Jack Ma down. Um, but I think what Jack Ma's companies in Alibaba um, with AI is light years ahead of what Tesla or even um, SpaceX is doing. But you know, so from it was very very interesting. He he didn't he didn't let it. He he, he was very conceptual. And um, what, what, what have you seen it? Yeah, no, I saw it. It was, it was actually brilliant. Cause I mean, I love we were just watching Elon Musk. He's just such a character. I mean, he, he, he sees AI as the biggest threat to hum, humans yeah, and Mars kind of playing it down. And I mean, I, I promise you Alibaba is the biggest AI company in the world. And what they do is frightening. I mean, they've developed credit systems based on your behavior. They've, 
They've got air traffic control systems they're testing with the government. They've got traffic control systems all through AI. You can't move in China without the AI. You can't. And, oh, you're, you're every move. Yeah. Have you heard of the Ali Zoo Hotel? Alibaba have got an automated hotel where you check in through facial recognition, robots serve your room service. The only humans in the hotel are people that are there to greet you and say hello, just so you don't feel it's strange that there's no people around. That's, this is what they're testing. <laughs> and then Jack Ma was kind of trying to say, no, you know, AI will, humans make AI. Yeah, it's playing it down, totally deceptive. And then, you know, totally. everybody fell for it. If you read the comments, you know, everybody fell for it. And it was like, seriously? I know. This chap, this chap. I mean, if you look, if you watch Elon Musk's facial expressions, it was actually quite funny mm-hmm. because it, you know, he like he like kind of looked up like like it's like what are you talking about? You know, Alibaba's strides in AI. He knows it. He knows what they're doing. You know, of course, of course, it is. It was it's, it was it was very very fascinating. It was a good one. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, so in China. Um, I, I got a, a, a notification for one of these newsletters I'm subscribed to, and they're like new tariffs on Chinese goods in the U.S. businesses. Um, yes. So basically, from December the fifteenth, um, there's going to be a fifteen percent tariff and over forty percent consumer product. You know, um, consumer product imported into China. We're talking yes. footwear, electronics, machinery, plastic products, and there's going to be inflation in America. And, um, and the consumer's going to pay. The consumer's going to pay, exactly. How do we balance this out? And um, you, how do you see this playing out in the next, you know, one year? Well, you, you, you know, they always say out of one disaster, you know, is born some more opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I almost think that, like, this situation is – you know, forcing people to look outside of China. It's forcing even the Chinese manufacturers are just opening production plants outside of China so that they're still keeping their clients and they're just expanding. So I think what's happening is is, is it's creating an alternative and it's, it's taking that threat away. So although there's a short-term pain, I almost feel like there might be a long-term gain out of this without a reliance on China, without a threat from the U.S. and their tariffs, where people, you know, you go to a lot of factories I go to now will say, do you want me to produce this in my China plant, my Vietnam plant, my Cambodia plant, because, you know, anti-dumping duties, we can accommodate you either way. So in a way, people always find a way around it. And, and I think that's what's happening. It's spreading the risk, which is good ultimately for the consumer, I think, because these trade wars just don't benefit anyone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Okay, so um, one final point I wanted to um, to cover before before I let you go is um, you know trade shows. You know, um, a lot of people get into trade shows. Initially, they're like a kid in a candy store, and then all of a sudden, there's analysis paralysis. You know, they they don't know what to do in trade shows. Absolutely. Um, what, what what is your take on the right approach to to trade shows? Give us a small guide, David Hoffman guide to to trade shows. Please. Trade shows. First, that's <laughs> a good question. You got a lot of good questions. What can I say? Couldn't let. Um, firstly, I, I think focus at a trade show is critical because it is. I mean, even me, I'm still a kid in a candy store when I go to trade shows. But you know the beauty of seeing things and seeing a variety of things, creativity comes from the strangest places. And I think you can get so many great ideas and, you know, sometimes they half baked ideas that are quite, that are the right idea, but not the right execution, or maybe just need a little bit more to complete the idea. 
So you can find really wonderful ideas, but I think the reality is it's all in the execution and follow up afterwards. You know, like when I will go to a trade show, I've got a list and I make a list of great ideas I want to do in the next one year. And I've got a list of stuff I need in the next two months. Right. And I just keep going back to my two months list and I allow my mind to wander free with all these great ideas, but I write them down. I collect the cards. I, I, I you know, I kind of plant the seeds and let the ideas simmer. And I, I actually genuinely look at those ideas quite regularly and I find that just by default, some of them fall off the bandwagon. I go, ah, not, not interesting anymore or still interesting. Or you start finding actually that concept might be growing more and more. And you go, okay, I think I want to look deeper into it. And then you've got those name cards. You've got the factories to go see. So I just think if you organize yourself into those compartments mm-hmm. and, and accept them for what they are, you know, you, 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 you've got a recipe for success. And then you go into the fact- factories and... You know what I'm saying? And then, then you, you, know, you, you know, you, you keep the factory's details and then you've got a recipe for success. You've got, you know, potential opportunities. You keep revisiting them until, you know, some things get what I call um, a natural growth, right? Some quickly, the more you revisit, some get a natural growth and they keep growing and keep growing and they get more of your attention. And, and that's exactly it. Exactly. It's, it's, it's kind of like a, a, the reference cards really, um, and once they're in mind, at some point you will get back to them, you know, and those ideas. Um, I, I just like, um, there was a time I was, um, I visited a show in, in London, I think it was like an e-commerce show. And I, I picked up um, some contact details of a packaging company. They, they do all sorts of packaging. And, you know, when the need arose, um, I, I did get in touch with them and, you know, give their details on to, um, to, 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 to an e-commerce store. So it makes massive sense. Um, exactly. Would, would you go to source, um, i.e., you know, straight to China, Guangzhou, Shenzhen, um, or even Hong Kong for the shows, or would you prefer the shows to come to you? So, you know, that there's, I know there's one in Germany I might be attending in is it January or February. Uh, yes. yes. Or um, I think that there are a ton that, you know, come through in um, Excel Center in London, you know, um, yeah. where, where's the best, um, where, where are the best shows um, to, to? Yeah, I think depending on the type of business you're in, I think the closer to source, the better. I find that when, when the shows are coming to you, you know, those manufacturers are a lot more established in terms of branding, marketing, and very often have their own sales channels. And they're looking for, they're looking for distributors or more sales channels or outlets. They're quite sophisticated. I'm generally, you know, looking for the less sophisticated guys that don't have their sales channels, but are good manufacturers that can make our products and our designs. Otherwise, um, not a lot of guys need you. (laughs) Um, but, but uh, you know, uh, you know, you get ideas from everywhere. So um, it, it, it doesn't hurt. But generally, the closer to source, the better, but the harder the work. Okay, makes sense. Um, I thought that was going to be my final question, but I have one more question, which is the big elephant in the room. Um, it's down to intellectual property protection. Um, yes. What, how, what, what, what quick, you know, tip rules would you um, – eventually, you know, goods would be um, – would, would be fabricated uh, well you know would i'm going to give you i'm glad you asked that question i'm going to give you the single biggest tip and and, and I, I do webinars on this i preach it all the time to everybody 
And I really recommend everybody does it. And, and if people want to contact us to do it, we can help you get it done as well. Mm-hmm. And that is register your trademark in China. Simple. That's, that's <laughs> is simple. It simple. Is it as simple as it sounds? Yes, it is. And, and, and let me explain why people don't understand because people think, okay, I've got it registered in the US or I've got it registered in Europe or Australia, wherever they are. And that's fine. And there is a one year period where you can register in other countries. But, and I've, I'm talking from firsthand experience. I've helped so many people do this. Is that the, is that anybody, anybody can register your brand in China and the first one to register it owns the brand. I mean, your brand could be registered right now in China. You wouldn't know until you try to register it. And then you see, Oh, you can't because somebody else has done it. So you, and it's not expensive to do. It's a couple of hundred dollars. It's a time, some process. It's really not a big deal. Um, but I've had cases where the manufacturers gone and registered our, our clients trademarks. I've had manufacturers register my trademarks, which basically means they start selling the same products on, online in China. So especially if you're in the e-commerce space and you go to um, Amazon China or JD.com, all the big Chinese selling platforms, and you see your brand and sometimes your product selling online, it's, it's happened to countless people. It's a nightmare to deal with because you don't have your trademark. If you register your trademark in China, you can give them one certificate, a Chinese trademark certificate, and you can get it delisted. That alone for me makes it worth it. You know, Does, does, does the trademark yeah. cover form, you know, um, you know, um, no. physical properties of, of your product or is it based on your brand? Cause anybody can copy a Nike and then yeah. you know, change the, the tech upside down and, you know, um, some. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's, there's, there's a, there's, yeah, it's a really good question. Um, so, so it doesn't cover form. A trademark is, is your brand in the class that you register it. But why that's important is because ultimately, you know, everybody's looking for product differentiation. Your biggest differentiator is your brand. You know, people buy Nike because it's Nike and they buy Adidas because it's Adidas. Because, you know, your brand's your reputation, your customer service, your quality and everything around that. So, you know, first and foremost, I say to people, protect your brand everywhere because that's, it's like your personal name, right? Would you want your name to be tarnished anywhere? You'd say no. And your brand's the same thing. Now, in terms of, um, so that's the first thing you want to protect. So it doesn't matter, even if people copy the product 100%, if it doesn't say Nike, it's not a Nike, right? Mm-hmm. Because Nike have got a reputation for quality and all those things. So that's, that's the easiest, lowest level fruit. Now, yes, there's a whole separate discussion on design patents and other patents, you know, um, invention patents or utility patents and things like that where you can say, well, I want to protect the design, I want to protect that. Of course you can do that. If you've got a very special product, you should do it. It's costly. We do it. I still, after, I can tell you countless legal battles I've had and I'm still dealing with the single biggest thing that has always mattered at the end of the day is your brand and your trademark. Protect that first and foremost. Products change. Life cycles change. You know, Apple changed it. The iPhone changed from the 5S to the 6 to the 7. The design's going to come and go, but your brand name lives forever. And that's why I say that the best advice right now to any e-commerce person is register your trademark in China. Don't rely on international. It, it's a couple of hundred dollars. Get it done. And the minute you register it, by the way, you protect it. 
It takes about one, one and a half years for the application to go through, but it's a process. Our people help with all of that stuff. But the key thing is the first to register gets the priority on the brand. So even though it's not registered yet, because you put the application in, nobody can do it afterwards. I've got guys now who've got a very successful lighting brand, which they've just done exceptionally well with. They want to launch internationally now. The first thing I said, have you registered brand in China? They said, no. I said, I told you to do it. Please get it done. Because your, your factory see you reordering and reordering and reordering. They're going to go and register, especially when it's a really nice brand. I can't mention what it is, but just protect it. It's a couple of hundred dollars. It's a no-brainer for any business. I agree. I agree. It's the first thing you do to to, 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 to secure the market, really, to, to, to secure yourself, really, essentially. Yeah, register your trademark in China. It's one of those things like you, you'll look back in five years and go, wow, that was the cheapest, best advice I ever had. Brilliant stuff. Brilliant stuff. David, any other thing you want to say? Um, any any other part in any, any, any part in words, or um, do you think we've we've covered sufficiently enough? Um, no, I, I think we've covered a lot. Um, I, I'm always free for conversations. You know, on our website, people can just schedule a call and chat to me and talk to me. You know, I love talking to people about their issues, seeing how we can help, or, or just even giving advice. You know, the more people we meet and network with, the happier we are. So, so you're based in Hong Kong and your team is based in Shenzhen. Shenzhen, yeah. I travel up and down. It's about a about a one hour travel, you know, on the train through the border. So, um, yeah, I do that commute three, four times a week. Okay, so for um, you know people who want to get through to you, um, at least I know your website address. I'm going to share it in the show notes. I'm going to share it in Facebook group. It's globaltqm.com. It's global TQM with a T. T- Yes. And they can just click this book call and really I'll take 90% of those calls um, or my team do. And yeah, and we can discuss anything. Amazing. And you guys work with like, you know, Amazon sellers, SMEs and enterprise. Amazon sellers, a lot of Amazon sellers, a lot of Amazon startup sellers, um, a lot of SMEs with massive brands we work with. You know, the key thing for us is, is that, um, you know, it's, it's scalable to whatever level you're at. And startups are our favorite because we're just passionate about that. It's kind of our home ground. Um, so, yeah. Well, David, thank you so much for your time and, you know, sharing, sharing um, all, all that stuff. Good stuff. No, thank you. I appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers. So that was a wrap on this week's episode of 2X E-Commerce. Remember, you can catch me every week and also send your questions and comments on Twitter using the hashtag 2XEcommerce. Keep yourself in the loop by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. It only takes a few seconds and it means you'll get the most up-to-date episodes to help you grow your online store. Do have a good one till I catch you on the next show. Bye-bye.